Welcome in to Talking Terps, a show which covers University of Maryland basketball and football. Talking Terps is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Terrapins. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. All right, welcome to Talking Terps. I'm your host, Zach Kiesel, joined as always by my co-host, Mike Popovic and Pat Donahue. Pat, how's it going, man? Going well, man. Finally getting that summer weather going. Yeah, things are starting to open back up. Yep. Um, yeah, it's good. Mike, how's it going? Yeah, not bad. We're a little bit further ahead yet than we thought we would be. And uh, I'm I'm a year older, so that uh, I had to to take that in stride last weekend. But uh, we're not lacking for news, and yeah, you're right. The summer is uh, is here, uh, so it's good to be getting out and and stretching our legs and arms a little bit. Yeah, it's looking more optimistic for football season too, which is which is always good. So b- before we dive into, you know, we have a lot of sports related stuff to talk about, but obviously we want to comment quickly um, on the situation in the country right now, focusing mainly on. Uh, the statements that were made by Mark Turgeon and Mike Loxley, um, both good statements. Um, you know, they're doing the right thing um, in support of most of the movement that's going on. Um, I want to also bring up that there's a really good joint statement from the entire football team written by and contributed to by a lot of the members of the football team, including Loxley. And it talks about not only supporting but also wanting to be difference makers in the community being leaders creating change and they have kind of a call to action and a plan to action um or mostly around voting committing to vote and then also doing work in the community to make sure that everybody's able to vote and is educated on certain issues so i think that's pretty important loxley's done a really good job you know he's made some comments uh had some interviews um and I mentioned it before the show to both of you, but I think, you know, having a guy like Loxley, and I know I've mentioned it before, he's he's a father figure and uncle to a lot of these kids. And it, it is able to create a culture in which these kids are not only um, comfortable with, but empowered to make this kind of a joint statement. Um, so, Pat, I'm going to give you the first crack at any comments you want to make, and then we'll move on to Mike. Yeah, no, I think... Um... You know, like you said, that you know, two two good statements by both the football and basketball coach. I think they were strong, timely statements. Um, you know, uh, Loxley, I think, made his the day before Turgeon. Um, I was more impressed, even with because you expect you know coaches um, at this high of a level to to make a statement. But I was more impressed with the what the team did, um, and they weren't the only team out there that did something similar to that, but they were actually one of the first ones that I saw to put out a statement. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, not just to say that, Hey, we support this cause, but to say that they're actually going to proactively, uh, create change was, was nice to see. And, and that's the type of thing that a team, you know, can rally behind as well. Um, and, and build that, that locker room chemistry even further, um, than, than what goes on on the field. So, that was uh, encouraging, and you know, hopefully, we just all move forward in, in positive directions from it. Yeah, Mike, 
You got anything to add here? Yeah, I, I would just say I'm always one to stick to the sports because I do this for a living full time. And uh, it's it, the times we live in are pretty tough. I would just say that, you know, I always try to look for some glass half full. And between, unfortunately, the racial unrest that we've had and the coronavirus, I'm hoping that this makes people more civically active and aware of what goes on, you know, in their in their life and how they can get involved and educate themselves uh, more and maybe before all this, uh, a lot of people were not very much up on a lot of this, but now uh, they're trying to educate themselves and uh, find out about how they can uh, make changes through voting and running for office, et cetera. So hopefully that's a positive change that will come through a lot of different things we've been dealing with this year. No doubt. Um, and I think, you know, one final thing is that having a coach like Loxley who grew up in this area makes it even better, you know, the football team's always done good work in the community, um, but having a coach who grew up in this area, still lives in this area, is, is definitely going to be a positive thing moving forward for the team. So we're going to dive into football first. Uh, the the players are getting back to campus. I don't know if you guys saw, there was a there was a picture going around Twitter of some of the players working out um, on, it looked like La Plata Beach with, I guess it was the strength coach, and Ruben Hippolyte, the, uh, the freshman linebacker, <laughs> looks absolutely jacked. I mean, yeah. that dude, it, it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, it, it, it's giving me vibes of some some guys we see at the Combine, and he's just a true freshman, 18 years old. I mean, he looks like a guy who could contribute immediately. Um, you know, you've got some good inside linebackers in Ienda Ely and, and Chance Campbell, but he may push for some time um, in in some of the sub packages because he looks, he looks enormous. And that, that's good to see, especially with COVID, you know, that these guys are still getting the work in. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I think we could be seeing the one of the better linebacking cores that we've seen in a while at Maryland. You mentioned Ely and Campbell, both, you know, good players, not necessarily um, playmaking superstars where, they're, you know, you don't want them to be the best players on your defense. But if Hippolyte steps up as that playmaker, um, you know, those guys could really have even more room to shine. Um, doesn't surprise me about the physique. I've always been, uh, he looks like, you know, a grown man all throughout high school. Um, you know, not to put this sort of, uh, pressure or comparison on him from a on-field standpoint, but it almost reminds you of the intimidating physique of a, like a Ray Lewis, uh, you know, even from an early age, uh, in college, he just was, um, built differently than others. So, um, yeah, you know, hopefully he can even be a semblance of what Ray Lewis was on the field. And I think the Terps will take that, you know, all day and, and twice on Sunday. So, um, or twice on Saturday, I guess we should say for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, I, you know, it's good that they're back on campus. I believe that official team workouts are supposed to start on Monday, um, if I'm not right. mistaken. My question was, I actually didn't see the photo that you were talking about, Zach, but were they wearing masks in that photo? I don't think so. I don't okay. remember. They were outside. Yeah, well, I was reading. Well, so you could have reading. a gathering of up to 10. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that, so I was reading over the official release that they sent out. Um, uh, when did they send it out? A week or so ago. Um, yeah, it was last Friday when they sent out, basically telling everyone, um, you know, they'll be moving into phase one and bringing everyone back and, and the different precautions that they'll be taking. And, uh, you know, one of them is that each uh, player and coach will be given two masks. Um, they're also allowed to bring their own mask if they want. Um, but it doesn't mention um, it, it mentions that they'll be required to wear them, but it doesn't elaborate on 
during what. So I'm imagining if they're doing any, and it does also mention that everything will be taking place outside. Indoor facilities are not part of phase one. So if they're outside in this heat wearing masks, I mean, I know I've had to just do it to pick up some food and stuff and stepping out in this heat is unbearable to have a mask on for, for five minutes. So I don't, I would hope they're not making them work out, you know, especially being outside with a, with a mask on. Yeah, I think most of the mask wearing, it's usually just mandatory indoors because it's pretty tough, at least from what I've heard. I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but it's pretty tough for it to spread outside. So That's I would assume heard, yeah. the masks they wear if they're in the classroom, if they're doing um, you know, film stuff inside and then outside, they're able to do that. It's fine. Well, I'm not though. even sure if they're allowed to use. I from from what I read, it sounds like like the indoor usage of even meeting rooms and dining halls hmm. are not open yet. So I, I'm that's interesting. It's my understanding that everything that they're doing is being done outside, and even if you have to sit and watch film outside somehow and wear a mask, that sounds horrible. How me. are they? How are they feeding them outside if it, it's raining? That's how. I, I, that's what I want to know. I guess you put up a tent or something. I don't know. I've seen them pull out all the stops. For Go the, figure. Uh, Maryland spends program. all this money on Cole Fieldhouse, and now they get to do. They still. They're still doing everything <laughs> else. They can't. They can't use it. Yeah. No. You're absolutely right. I, I think the interesting thing here too is voluntary individual workouts may begin June 15th. Well, they could say that, but I think the expectation is everybody that can be will be there on Monday. But you're right. June 8th, this past Monday, uh, they had to have pre-participation medical screenings take place. And yeah, I would assume being outside, I would doubt, highly doubt that they're uh, wearing masks for uh, any uh, type of activity that, you know, requires heavy. Now, hopefully they're not uh, heavily breathing too much because that means they're not in good enough shape. <laughs> yeah, I would I would doubt that in a situation where guys are working out uh, out in the open air like that, that they would need that. But, you know, guys, this was a lot of this was incumbent on Prince George's County because after a while, Governor Hogan gave the counties the opportunity to make their own decisions. And PG County, unfortunately, was a hot spot uh, just as of a couple of weeks ago. And again, the numbers across the state have gone down. I'm not sure of the exact number for PG County, but since College Park was there, you know, they were held back a few more weeks. If they were somewhere else in the state, they may have been able to start a little bit earlier. But the bottom line is this is all good news that the wheels are rolling and things are starting to uh, get underway. And that's a great sign here right at the beginning of summer. So we're much better off in terms of how things are going than what we thought maybe even a month ago would be the case. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I know I remember we were talking about it. I mean, the fact that they're going to get a full it looks like full summer practice schedule in is is going to be huge, mm -hmm. um, especially, you know, missing out on spring. And then you've got some quarterbacks that need to gain some experience in Loxley's offense. This will be this will be good. Um, so most of what we have to talk about today is recruiting, which is fun, um, mainly 2021. Uh, the class is shaping up to be really good. I, I checked the rankings right before we hit record, and the current 2021 class is ranked 15th in the country and 6th in the Big Ten. And obviously there's a ton of defensive linemen from the DMV. So, Pat, take us through a little bit of the DMV success that Loxley's uh, recruiting staff is, is enjoying right now. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I like... Uh... I like those numbers that you have. The what was it? The the fifteenth and the sixth overall. Because I never paid much attention to the composite numbers or anything. Because as a rivals employee, I got my rivals shirt on today. I typically stay within that bubble, and um, their rankings tend to be a little bit more stingy at times. So 
Um, I think I, I think they're, if I'm not mistaken, uh, 21st nationally and eighth in the Big Ten for rivals. So a little bit of a difference there. But either way, we're looking at one of the better recruiting classes that Maryland has had in a while. And and not only that, definitely Loxley's best recruiting class since he's been here. Um, I kind of touched on in a recent BSL article that gave an update to um, football recruiting. In the beginning of that article, kind of touched on just the timeline and the progression of Loxley coming in and doing what he can from a recruiting standpoint, which, as we all know, is kind of the found his foundation as a as a coach. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, Zach, the the DMV recruiting. If, if there's a foundation to the foundation, it's the it's the DMV uh, for Loxley, and he was brought in specifically to shore up that area, kind of build that wall around the DMV that keeps the the best athletes at home. You know keeps makes Maryland attractive to them instead of, you know, so often we see um, our four and five, five star athletes in the DMV go to, you know, Nick Saban in Alabama, or it used to be Urban Meyer um, in, in Ohio State or, or James Franklin at, at Penn State. So, you know, and these are now some of the teams that we directly compete with uh, year in and year out. So um, shoring up these DMV four stars, like they have three on the defensive line coming in, um, you know, heavy emphasis on the defensive line in this class. Um, you know, in this day and age and the way football has progressed, uh, the, the two most important things you have to be able to do is throw the football and get after the, the quarterback of the other team. So, um, you know, with, with better quarterback talent, um, presumably coming in and, uh, you know, hopefully a stacked defensive front. That built, you know, that paves the way for uh, being able to fill in the other areas as they go along, and and hopefully have more um, sustained success down the line. Um, yeah, just hoping that you know they can move on to the offensive line sooner than later because that seems to be one of the areas where they are are lacking the most. Yeah, they kind of stocked up on offensive linemen, not necessarily uber talented ones. Mm-hmm. Um, last year and kind of the year before so i think it might be slightly a scholarship issue yeah and the 2021 class locally was not strong for for offensive linemen yeah and i know we've talked about that before you know we enjoyed a lot of years oddly um that that were strong for the offensive line in the dmv not really a position that that this area is known for um but we i know we talked about you know some of the struggles that that maryland's had stopping the run in the Big Ten, you know, against some of these Midwestern offensive lines, you know, and the the no matter the modern football approach of throwing the football all over the place, the Big Ten's always going to be built on running the ball. Uh, teams like Iowa and Michigan State, and even the spread teams like Ohio State, want to run the ball probably about sixty-five or seventy percent of the time with their big offensive linemen. So, Mike, talk a little bit about some of the guys that we've seen added. Um, to this class I know we you know we've got like three interior linemen and two pass rushers uh, and that's kind of the top five that I'm seeing um, as far as recruits go in 2021 well I I think Pat hit upon exactly the area that Maryland needs to address is the defensive line but in general the trenches Maryland has shown the ability to recruit those skill player guys and we've talked about that in the last two podcasts that we've done but they have to start addressing the interior, and they started to do that. And we've talked about offensively, they have been able to uh, recruit some highly uh, touted offensive linemen out of high school. They just have not developed for a plethora of reasons. 
part of which have, has had to do with the turnover in, in coaches and schemes, et cetera. But yeah, you're talking about, you know, Damian Robinson out of Quince Orchard and Marcus Bradley also out of Quince Orchard uh, recently out of, you know, CH Flowers, uh, Tommy Aking Basote. Hopefully I'm uh, pronouncing that correctly. Now, some have him a three-star, others a four-star. There's a lot of ceiling there, so I can understand why some have him as a four, but others as a three right now. You also have, uh, you know, Zion Shockley, who is a three-star as well. So, again, covering uh, the defensive line. You know, we've also talked about, though, I think in the previous uh, podcast as well, uh, concerning some of the running backs they have coming in, which are very important uh, given some of the either graduations or actually uh, leaving early to go to the NFL uh, as well mixed in with that. But, look, you know, this Big Ten class, guys, as you take a look uh, this year, the recruiting that is in in the Big Ten – is probably the most competitive it's been in a while. These numbers go back and forth all the time, but at one point, okay, you had Minnesota and Nebraska in the top five. Now, Minnesota, according to 24-7 sports, Minnesota's still there at five. Nebraska has dropped some, but the fact that they were up there for a period of time, it just goes to show, I mean, you got Iowa third, you know, Wisconsin fourth, Minnesota fifth, and then Maryland at sixth. Again, depending on the recruiting service and all that. But it's highly competitive. These numbers are going back and forth. And you look around the Big Ten right now, and I wrote this in an article uh, the last Saturday, that now that you're getting these big-name guys in, you're getting these highly touted recruiting classes, now the pressure is on. But you take a look at the Big Ten. Name me a poor coaching staff in the Big Ten. I mean, even Lovey Smith and Illinois had a good year last year. Maybe that's a blip on the radar screen. But most of these schools have outstanding head coaches, and some are still in rebuilding mode. But Jeff Brom at Purdue, you know, even at Purdue, he's building something there. Michigan State is Mel Tucker. We'll see what he does. You know, we know in Nebraska, uh, they've got uh, a big-name guy who used to play quarterback for him and Scott Frost. Pat Fitzgerald is proven at Northwestern. Shiano is, is back at Rutgers now. You know, P.J. Fleck had a huge year at Minnesota. Guys, it's a hell of a tough competitive uh, conference when it comes to coaching and recruiting. And Mike, I mean, look at Shiano in his first year as Rutgers head coach. They're ranked twentieth nationally. Yeah, their recruiting class, and, and they, eighth in the Big Ten right now. Again, according to twenty four seven. But yeah, I, it, and no surprise though, because you know he's been doing this. He's got the roots in New Jersey, right? And there's enough talent in New Jersey for him to to him to snag all those. They do have twenty guys committed though, so I don't know how I don't know what their scholarship situation looks like. But you know, you look at some of these teams. They're up there in the number of commitments, so we'll see uh, that that they can kind of hit a ceiling at some point. Maryland's at sixteen right now. They should have at least a few more that they can give out. But they've been as high as eleventh at one point. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if this is. It seems like the time maybe to make mention about Caleb Williams. If Williams commits, I've got to think Maryland's a top. I mean, he's five star. I've got to think Maryland becomes a top ten school at that point and maybe raises up a spot or two in the Big Ten. No doubt. And you mentioned him and and we we, we are going to talk about, you know, we can talk about it now. He's he's announced a commitment date. Uh, he's going to commit on July 4th. He's going to decide between Oklahoma, Maryland and LSU. And there's probably about a ninety nine point nine percent chance he commits to the Sooners. Uh, but Loxley's banking on that zero point one percent chance. Uh, probably uh, worse odds for him than he's ever faced recruiting a, a, a talented guy like that. It probably was slightly easier uh, to, to get Jarrett or Diggs, but, but Williams is the white whale here. And, and, you know, Pat, we've talked about it, I think, in every single podcast we've had, but is there any chance 
<laughs> well, I was going to be generous and, and put it like a 95% chance he's going <laughs> yeah. to Oklahoma. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little more optimistic. <laughs> but I mean, Zach, you might be more accurate. I don't, it's, it, it really is. It, it's hard this whole time, even though all the, the tea leaves point to him, you know, snubbing Maryland at the end. Uh, it, it's been hard for me, like just a weird gut feeling to, to, you know, completely close the door on it um, and say, you know, he's a hundred percent not going to be a Terp. Um, I think LSU is just kind of in there to round out the top five. Obviously they already got a, a good quarterback signed up as well. Um, Oklahoma seems to have caught his eye from the beginning and he, he raves about the official visit there quite frequently. Um, and I've brought, like you said, we brought this up on other podcasts and I've said before, I think the one thing that could play in Maryland's favor is there continues to be rumors of Lincoln Riley in the near future, making that move to the NFL. And if I'm a, a kid, especially a quarterback who's supposed to have that special relationship with their coach and, and Lincoln Riley's this quarterback whisperer, uh, I'd have real reservations about that. So, and then, we never know how COVID and that whole situation and possibly wanting to stay local and closer to family has impacted them. So I don't know. My optimism shrinks and grows at the same time, it seems like. Um, but it when when the Terps signed Tua's brother, um, that really that's what really made me think that they don't feel as good about their chances to land Williams. And they've been more proactive in recruiting a couple other 2021 recruits. I think that they are going to look to add another quarterback to this class, whether it's Caleb Williams or not. Um, but they're, and this is, this was Loxley's um, move with, with Diggs and some of the other higher profile guys he's recruited in the past is to put all of his eggs in their basket and let that be known, not only to the recruit, but to their family, to their friends, Alan, so, you know, anywhere he can, that that is their guy. And, you know, there, he, he shows that by not offering other people at that position up to a certain point. With Williams, he let that go for a while, but it got to a point after the Oklahoma visit where I think they decided they had to, to open the search a little bit more. So I don't want to say no chance, but what, it could turn out to be a very uh, exciting July 4th with uh, you know some extra fireworks if he decides to stay home. No yeah. doubt. I mean, I understand all the benefits of Oklahoma, but Pat, you mentioned the coaching situation, and I take a look at this DMV movement that is coming to fruition. You know, there was talk about the DMV movement way back if Loxley had retained the head coaching job when Edsel got fired. We know how that went. Dwayne Haskins goes to Ohio State, is now karma on the side of Maryland now that they have brought Loxley back, that he's recruiting this DMV, he's living up to his recruiting billing, that could the amount of DMV recruits in this 2021 class show Caleb Williams that, hey, we could build something special. Other guys in this area are are buying in. And look, I don't care about, I mean, I'm thrilled that uh, Tiger Viloa is transferring here. That's great. That's a good sign, but there's a relationship there. But there is no reason why Caleb Williams can't come in and win this job. And look, he goes to Oklahoma. He's not going to just be handed the job again. We talked about this. They're going to bring in other four and five star guys. So if he thinks that his job is going to be safe, in terms of that, Maryland is just as good a spot, I would say, if not better, because they're not quite adept at bringing in that many four and five star type quarterbacks. Come to Maryland. You're playing in the Big Ten again in NFL type stadiums, in bad weather in some situations. 
It'll get you as prepared in the D.C. media market. It'll get you as prepared for the NFL as any. And now is the time. I mean, to me, if Maryland's going to seize upon a five-star recruit, now is the time with the amount of DMV um, recruits that he has for 2021. I, I just I hope he sees it that way. I don't know <laughs> if he will or not, uh, but you hope he sees it that way. And yeah. you have the intriguing, you know, skill players that they've already added in Rakeem J. And you have those toys to say, hey, right, look at what you can be working with. I, I if one of the running backs they have coming in doesn't pan out as, as a star, I, I have full faith that they'll find one eventually. Could be Colby McDonald, you know, who's uh, all ACC and committed to next year's class. Um, and, and, you know, with the coaches, if Mike Loxley lands Caleb Williams, I think it's safe to say that he's secured his job at Maryland for at least the tenure of Caleb Williams's career. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would, <laughs> I would tend to agree. I would tend to agree with that, no doubt. And you make a good, a good point about the weapons. You know, I just wrote it's up on BSL uh, today, uh, wide receiver preview, and we'll dig into that in a different episode. But this looks like the deepest wide receiver class that Maryland's had in a while. It, it takes me back to kind of 2014 when they had Dion Long, Stefan Diggs, Marcus Leak. Um, and we're looking at this year having Dante Demas, Jason Jones, and Rakeem Jarrett. And all three of those guys will still be here in 2021 um, as uh, enticing pieces uh, for Caleb Williams. Um, and I know they, they're they going to shore up the, the tight end position as well. So it is definitely, Pat, you make a good point about adding a quarterback. It's definitely a priority. Um, whether they land Williams or not, because it is an extremely thin position, even if Tagavailoa, even once he's eligible, you've got really two guys next year uh, in Tagavailoa and Lejean, um, and then a walk-on in Eric Nigerian. And then you've got the transfer from the D3 school. Um, so it's definitely going to be a priority to add somebody, hopefully locally, but uh, add just a body um, that can hopefully provide some depth. And I think this this feeds into the blog that I wrote last weekend in that now is the time, though. I know Loxley is not on the hot seat. And when Urban Meyer made his comments about the fact that, you know, Maryland needs to win now, and I thought at first, eh, that's kind of a surface comment. He's not on the hot seat. People know it's going to take time. But, you know, at the same time, okay, this buzz is only going to last so long. So there's progress that needs to be made, first certainly in playing competent football and competitive football, but hopefully translating into a few more wins as well. But if Maryland doesn't get Caleb Williams, that's a sign that, okay, Mike Loxley and Maryland – what do you have to do so that the next Caleb Williams that comes along, four or five star type, say quarterback, okay, what do you have to do between now and next year or two years from now to convince that kind of caliber player that Maryland's the place to go over in Oklahoma? So it, it'll be a great litmus test, even though things are trending in a, in a positive way for DNV recruiting. It's going to show Mike Loxley, hey, there's a little bit more work to be done that despite all this positivity, we weren't able to land this guy. We've got to show some other recruits here that this is going to pay off and we're going to start seeing results in in different ways. Again, it's not going to be an eight and four year, but let's see them start to play a lot better on the field. And this is kind of the, th I feel like this is the third time we felt this buzz. The first time was under Edsel in like 2014-ish, 2015 with those classes. And that obviously got cut off. Um, when Edsel was fired for lack of performance on the field. Um, and it was kind of led by Loxley, who ended up losing his job uh, with that coaching staff change. We saw it again with Durkin. And again, that got kneecapped once once he got fired. Um, so this is the third time. 
and hopefully it, it lasts this time um, because there, there's clearly a hunger among the high school recruits um, for this movement, for this stay-at-home movement. Um, we see it in certain other areas of the country, but especially here um, with the number of pro players who have come out of this area, um, it, it's key. And we've talked about it. We say it all the time. Maryland fans have been saying it for decades. If you keep the talent home, you'll have a top 25 program. Um, and it's just, that's the struggle. And, and Zach, I'll, I'll tell you from talking to many of these recruits, especially the football guys, uh, one of the things that this staff really sells them on, uh, not that they don't already know it from being from the area, but the amount of opportunities available after football, um, you know, having networked in the Baltimore and DC metro areas for the, even if, you know, you're good enough to go into the NFL, we all know how, you know, frugal NFL careers can be and how, um, you know, you could be in there for one season. You can be in there for 10 if you're lucky, but there's still going to be a life after football and having that base of, uh, being, you know, in a school, a good school, uh, with a good strong degree between two metropolitan areas, um, is something that really, uh, is intriguing to even the best DMV recruits. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we saw it with a guy like Ellis McKenney, who has said he wants to run for office. And he he's always, you know, he was interning for congressmen and, and senators during his time at Maryland. He's able to do that. Um, and that's that's obviously huge. And he's from the area. I, I think he went to McDonough. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so he obviously took up that leadership role and was able to do that. And, you know, hopefully other guys are able to do that as well. Well, and guys, too, with the doors opening up, we talk about the D.C. area with a lot of big schools here uh, with Quince Orchard, with St. John's, with DeMatha, but we're also seeing St. Francis in Baltimore. Terrence Butler, you know, who committed on the first of this month back on Monday, uh, also a defensive lineman. We talk about the defensive lineman hall uh, that they're bringing in uh, for next year. Those doors are opening there where uh, Biff Pogey tended to send guys to, to a lot of Michigan guys, and he still does because he was on that staff uh, as a consultant, I believe, for a year or two, uh, and his son went there. But now I think he believes in Maryland, so he's certainly a positive when it comes to Maryland when guys are asking him about the Terps. But, you know, something that just popped into my head when we're talking about this and recruiting locally is, and, and I don't know between the private and the public schools about what would be allowed and not allowed, but if there's not high school football this fall, that doesn't help the Maryland program recruiting here locally. And I, I don't know why I hadn't thought about that before. It seems to be up in the air right now, which way it goes. But that's where this class of 2021 and really even 2020 becomes maybe even more magnified because what kind of class are you getting beyond that with a possibility, a possibility that there's a year of high school football that some of these guys coming in down the line may have missed? Yeah, that's a really good point. Hadn't even thought of that. Knee, knee capped by COVID this time. It's always yeah. something. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the high school coaches. I think Loxley is the difference. You know, he's he's had relationships for decades with these guys. Um, and you're right. Poji used to want to send guys, you know, no matter what high school. He was a Gilman, right? He was a Gilman he and then he went Gilman to St. Francis. For the longest time. Yeah. yeah. Right. But Alabama, Michigan. Well, again, you guys talked about it going all to all the other schools, but Maryland. And you know, now that that seems to be changing. Well, it is changing, thankfully. Yeah, he always yeah, he never he never seemed to send his guys to Maryland. And I, I don't know that you can blame him given the situations that that they've had. But, you know, 
you never used to get guys from Gilman. I mean, Shane Cockerell is one of the few guys that <laughs> they were able to get from Gilman. And I think he played every position on the field except uh, quarterback. I was going to um, say, you mean fullback, linebacker, yeah, fullback, tight linebacker. end. And he played <laughs> a decent linebacker. You yeah. got to give the coaching staff credit back. That, I mean, they turned him into a very productive linebacker for a couple of years, which yeah, nobody saw coming. on the field with some disciplinary issues as well. Yeah, there was that. I mean, yep. I don't know who thought. I mean, wasn't he like an ESPN Elite 11 quarterback I, with that throwing motion? I, yeah. I did I a game, Yeah, I did a game between my alma mater, Calvert Hall, and Gilman, and he was Gilman's quarterback, and I'm saying, wait a minute. He's going to be Maryland's future quarterback. I was like, there's no way. I was like, he, he he's a mini Tim Tebow, but not anywhere even close to being the, the passer that Tebow was. And Tebow was okay, but certainly not great. I, I was like, yeah, he's going to be playing a different position. I was shocked at how they were projecting him to college. <laughs> well, yeah. especially back then, ESPN wasn't – recruiting wasn't its strong suit for sure. So Clearly. <laughs> Yeah, they they've gotten off they got off the beaten path in a number of different areas over the years. I think they're trying to correct that now. Yeah, exactly. So in addition to some of the recruiting news that we got over the last couple of weeks, we also have a new cornerbacks coach. This rounds out the coaching staff. Uh the only hole in the coaching staff was left by Corey Robinson, who went to the Saints. Um I think he went to the Saints. Yeah, yeah. Saints. Yep. Um I knew it was NFL somewhere. So they got uh they got a former Terp, Henry Baker, who played corner for the Terps um a while back he's been kind of bouncing around he was a he was a defensive special teams assistant at maryland right after he graduated he spent some time at delaware rutgers north carolina and then he was an assistant dbs coach um with the giants last year i, I either are you familiar with his recruiting abilities because i i haven't heard anything on that so the, not only was Corey robinson you know the last vacancy to fill that was it was a big void because yeah. of what he brought to the recruiting table especially being a baltimore native and just when you talk about the dmvd umd movement he was going to play a, a large role in that and already had in, in his short time here but i think that they even though they didn't get a dmv guy maybe they feel like they have a nice stronghold on that at the moment i think this was a very strategic hire and a great hire not only do you get a terps alum in there you get a guy who you you went down the list of stops he's been some some great stops along the way both NFL and college um and, and all different levels of those you know um different um areas professional and amateur but he you know you're talking about a guy who's from New Jersey so you have those New Jersey roots which you're going to need especially now with Shiano uh, in town snagging all them up and New Jersey's never really been Maryland's strong suit to begin with so to add some firepower there is nice. Uh, you know, he's got the the New York, uh, North Jersey area, you know, handled with his uh, Rutgers and Giants ties. He's um, a little bit in North Carolina, a little bit of Delaware, and even uh, he even had a short um, coaching stint in Miami. So maybe he can help out in in that strong bed of a recruiting area. So um, I I think this is a good hire, not only from an X's and O's and experience standpoint there, and all the people he's gotten to learn from in places he's been, but also from a recruiting standpoint, I don't know if he's ever been in a position on his college staffs to really be, um, I'm sure he's had his recruiting areas and whatnot and done his fair share of defensive back recruiting. I don't know if he's ever been in a position where he's been able to stand out in that regard amongst those staffs. But I do know that, you know, with a staff full of great recruiters led by Loxley, 
you know, you couldn't learn from uh, anyone better or, or, you know, have better guidance in that area. Well, and, and somewhere along the line, you need some coaches that can also coach technique and mm-hmm. some X's and O's as well. So ultimately, it is about the players, and you do want to have a staff that has strong recruiting uh, abilities, no question. But you want coaches that can coach these guys up too. Now, I don't think Pat, and I agree, I don't think he's been anywhere long enough to establish himself as a great recruiter because this is his fourth job in four years. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand last year he ends up going to the Giants to the NFL, so that's a step up. And obviously here with uh, – well, there was a coaching change, as we know, uh, with the Giants – and the a possible, or excuse me, the opportunity to come back to his alma mater is big. Uh, but basically, from what I read, you know, he's more known for his developing ability than uh, than recruiting. And there had been a guys. We talked about this last time. There had been a rumor that Calvert Hall, my alma mater, that their head coach Donald Davis, who stepped down about two months ago now, or a month and a half ago now, that he was potentially a guy in line for that job. I was told by a very good source that. That was never the case, and as we find out, he ends up taking the job at uh, Sidwell Friends uh, in the D.C. area. But uh, Henry Baker's the guy, and it makes sense because of his ties to Maryland coming from the NFL. His resume is, with all due respect to Donald, who I love, is is much uh, much more. Um, I'm trying much more versatile, if anything, uh, than what Donald's is. And Pat, you're right. I mean, breaking into that New Jersey area would be huge. I mean, in recent memory, what DJ Moore is kind of the only guy to come out of there. Um, uh, DJ Moore was uh, Pennsylvania. He was Philly. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, right, well. Well, I mean, that's the thing. You, you can't name many uh, New Jersey guys, notable New Jersey guys, who have been here of late. I know I'm missing someone obvious off the top of my head. I want to say it's a, a receiver, but either way. Henry Baker's from Patterson, New Jersey, of all places, which is known as being a hotbed for, uh, you know, very, very good athletic talent. Hoops, football, it's where I believe Victor Cruz is from, a former New York Giants guy. So Tim Thomas went there back in the day. Yep, yep. So a very very strong area to be able to go in and say, hey, you know, sort of like Loxley does with the DMV guys. Like, hey, I've been in your shoes. I can help you get where you want to go. Yeah, well, and and New Jersey has been – when Rutgers was good under Shiano the first time, you know, a lot of in-state talent started to go there. But Michigan and Penn State have really loaded up on talent out of New Jersey. So it, to get a foothold in there is important. Uh, and we have seen Maryland kind of spread its wings in terms of recruiting. Uh, so that, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully we, we make some inroads in New Jersey. No question about that. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll go from there. Yeah, I think it'd be nice to for them to also get a foothold in the Midwest because they've never really had that. They've never really had to in the ACC. But, you know, if, if the DMV continues to not produce the offensive linemen that you're really looking for, that's where you're going to have to break in and compete with Ohio State and Iowa and Minnesota for some of those Midwestern linemen. Um, you know, Ohio, especially if they could get a foothold in there, that'd be that'd be big. They got some other colleges in there. I mean, Cincinnati started to come around now. Miami of Ohio is a, a smaller, but they're really good. So it, uh, that's a competitive state too. Yeah, if you can if you can pitch some of those guys that yeah come play for the Big Ten, you know maybe that's a that's a winning pitch. I don't know if you can't go to Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you can't go to Ohio State, don't play for Miami of Ohio. Don't play for the lesser Miami. Ben Roethlisberger ain't that great. Yeah, if you can't play for and play against them. Exactly. You want to play in the big house. Here's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And maybe you have a chance to win. You may not be one of those early schedule uh, cupcakes that they schedule. Mm-hmm. So 
Uh, Mike, you you touched a little bit on the Big Ten recruiting landscape as a whole, um, but I know you wanted to you wanted to talk a little bit about the interview that Kevin Warren, uh, the Big Ten commissioner, had with Scott Van Pelt last week. Well, guys, you caught me on this one because I did want to go over that. I did not get a chance to break it down as much as I'd like to. So I, I, I'd like to put that aside until until next week because I got through about half of it. So I'm going to wait on that. So just uh, right. be honest with you on that one. All right, we'll, we'll push that. We'll push that. Uh, I know that the Big Ten's taken some steps. Um, they've made some statements regarding COVID. It's, it, as we talked about earlier, I think you know, the, the odds of a full football season happening are look a lot better than they did, you know, even a few weeks ago. It's probably unlikely that we see full stands of people. Um, but at the very least, it looks like they may be able to play um, the full schedule. Hopefully there's not a second wave that everybody keeps talking about. But, um, you know, hopefully they're able to get the full full schedule in um, and that we can see some development. Um, from the football team, because, you know, we talked about it before, but losing this football season would be extremely detrimental to, to some of the de- development uh, that's necessary in the second year of a, of a head coach. Well, I, I don't know if you guys saw, but Michigan's president, I guess two weeks ago, was saying we're not playing unless students are back on campus. And I still, at the end of the day, even if that doesn't happen, and Michigan has been one of the more stricter states, as we know, under Governor Whitmer, I still can't imagine with all the dollars and all the Michigan boosters that that would take place. I just, President Schlissel, I I know he has some strong statements on that. And I think the AD Ward Manual has been kind of in line with what the president's saying because that's his boss. But I, I, the Ward Manual used to play football. He was a linebacker, I believe, under Bo Schembechler back in the late 80s. I can't imagine that privately he's in agreement with that. I'd be shocked. So I'm with you. I think we're all expecting college football here. Uh, to uh, to take place. And the teams, obviously, that start on week zero get to start a little bit earlier than the than the other teams. So if Michigan doesn't come back, does that mean we get a win? <laughs> That's my yeah. question. I guess we'll take it. in that case, I'll I hope it. nobody comes back. <laughs> we'll take it with a star. There's a star next to it, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so to wrap things up, um, we're going to touch on basketball a little bit. And Pat, I want to I want to give you a chance to talk about uh, Ike Cornish, who committed to the basketball team, four star shooting guard. Yeah, uh, he, you know, Baltimore native, um, you know, playing high school ball down in, in Greenville, South Carolina for a charter school. He, um, you know, is the type of player that when I started covering the Maryland beat years ago, I was told by a Maryland. He's not there no longer, but a Maryland basketball assistant at the time that. Turgeon has a specific mold of player that he loves. Not not that this is the only player he'll recruit, but he falls in love with six foot six, not even, not just wings. He would love to have six foot six guards who can shoot. And my response at the time was, "Well, wouldn't we all?" But yeah. <laughs> but he he often is, um, you know, sometimes he lands those guys, and sometimes you end up with a, a Jared Nickens type. Um, I, I think that Ike Cornish is, um, a little bit more, uh, has more of a polished game at this point in his career than Nickens did. Um, I think he has, um, a very nice shot that could use, I'd like to see him start his shot a little bit higher up. He's not a shoot from the waist guy, like Hakeem Hart per se, but he is 
I'd like to see the start of his shot get brought up a little bit higher, but his stroke is smooth. He gets great lift on the shot. Um, he's athletic. He has good. The one area that I would say separates him from a guy like Nickens would be his handles um, and ability to put the ball on the floor, which is why from everything I've been hearing, you know, Turgeon likes him as a, as a two, uh, a combo guard, but mostly a two. Um, and, and that'll be good. Cause that'll still give him room to add a point guard somewhere along the line that, you know, will be more of a true point guard. Um, and you pair him up with a fellow Baltimore native and Julian Reese, who was the first commit to the class six, nine, where that face up four. um, you know, I think it's, I believe they are currently ranked top 10 nationally for 2021. Obviously a lot of room or a lot of time to, uh, you know, for things to change there one way or another, but I think this is about as strong to a 2021 class as you can expect, especially given the fact that 2020 seems to have kind of fell short of, uh, expectations. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, he really needs to hit on 2021's class, and it is. It's currently 24-7, currently has it ranked fifth. Uh, the 2020 class was ranked 86th. Uh, that It's amazing. I mean, that's amazing based on what happened. But again, some of that, you know, that recruiting starts earlier than just what happened this past season. But that that's a drop-off, guys, that I don't think anybody necessarily expected to see, especially with Mark Turgeon being this a great recruiter. I think we've seen that that's dropped off a little bit, but hopefully Pat, he's going to get back on track here with 2021. I think maybe the biggest takeaway is getting two players from in state. We talk about football and the DMV movement. Well, that's just as important in basketball, given again, the amount of talent that's in the DC Baltimore area. So that's a good sign. But, you know, I've said this for years, guys, Maryland needs at least two guys that they can count on that can shoot the three at about 40% or better. It seems like every other top-tier team has that. Maryland has lacked that, and I'm still I'm still waiting. So hopefully, you know, this uh, this will pan out. We'll see. Yeah, I think Cornish could be that type of guy. Um, it's so tough to tell at the high school level how they're going to translate to a, a college three-point shooter, per se. But And they move the three-point line out further. Exactly. Yeah. So that, yeah. that adds even, you know, another element to it. But I do, I do think he's got the potential to be that that sniper from the outside that you see. And like you mentioned, so important to, that these guys are coming from the DMV. Uh, you, you could argue that Mark Turgeon's three biggest recruits he's ever landed at Maryland were, you know, Mellow Trimble, Anthony Cowan Jr., uh, Stick Smith, all from the DMV. All were transcendent players for this program. So. I think that's been a proven formula for success. It should have, you know, it should be a no-brainer for for anyone who has any uh, knowledge of the talent in that area. So I'm sure Turgeon is well aware of that, you know, being a key to success. But uh, like you mentioned, it is alarming that to have the 86th ranked class coming off a Big Ten regular season title. I'm still kind of searching for answers there. And the worst class in the Big Ten. 14th ranked in the Big Ten, and you've got they're lower than Northwestern. Man. And that should tell you something. And I think the difference is, like you guys said, how important the DMV is. And last year, what's the difference? No guys from the DMV. Mm-hmm. Both recruits, New Hampshire and Illinois. And um, well, Dark Dockery is from the DMV, though. He is from Baltimore. Okay, so he plays, a, yeah, he, he went to a yeah. school in, in Baltimore for his first two years of high school and then transferred up to the prep school in New Hampshire. Uh, yeah, I guess that's how you define that. But yeah, I guess yeah. that would fit, fit in locally. Yeah, yeah you know, he is kind of a, in my opinion, though, a bit of a marginal talent, especially for um, as much as he might have to play early in his career due to the lack of guard depth at this point. Um, I don't think he is 
the type of player who's going to have an Anthony Cowan, Mello Trimble type of uh, uh, career. He's kind of that in-between one and two. I have heard good things about the improvement in his game since he went to a better high school up there in New Hampshire because he wasn't at the best school in, in Baltimore. But he, uh, he, yeah, like I said, he's not someone who's got me. I'm actually a little bit more excited about the, the kid from Illinois. And Zach, I, I don't know if you've heard or Pat, if you've heard, but we know that Mark Turgeon was looking for a contract extension. We talked about the Big Ten tournament, NCAA tournament, if he had made waves, would have likely gotten him that. But now the question is with COVID-19, with I'm sure donations down, struggling. I know things are starting to slowly come back economically, but I'm curious where the Mark Turgeon contract situation is. And if he only wins 18 games next year, you know, are they even going to consider talking to him about that or or at some point between now and the start of the season? Be interesting to see. Yeah, I don't know. I know he is an athletic department favorite because he's a hell of a fundraiser for the program. But so it'll take probably more than the average coach to get him fired. But should be interesting. Yeah. He, he's not going to be able to tank this season as mu- as much as the roster would would suggest it. He's not going to be able to tank. Um yeah. Especially, you know, if he's hoping to put together a decent 2021 class, you can't have guys decommitting. Yeah, and I think I wrote this in a, a recent basketball article. He he needs to have the type of year that Wisconsin had this past year, where you come in with a you know a roster on paper that just doesn't look like you know it looks like it's going to be one of those bridge years, and you just surprise take everyone by storm and surprise them by playing good basketball. Um, so that's where the op- you know there is opportunity there, but I think a lot of us who have watched you know Mark Kurt. Mark Turgeon coach over the years um, need to see that to believe it sort of thing. Yeah. yeah he's going to have to coach his ass off this year. Yep. Well, the good news for him though, is that his teams play defense and they play hard for him. And that'll keep you in a lot of games. Yep. We'll see though, without that front court presence though, if the defense is as good as it's been, we'll have to see. But I wanted to touch about real quick, something concerning recruiting for both basketball and football guys is, and I've noticed this because I work on the Eastern shore of both Delaware or Southern Delaware, the Eastern shore of Maryland is that Northern Delaware, when it comes to high school football and basketball talent, and I know we've had players from you know that area at Maryland of both sports as well, but I feel like that's an underrated area to some extent. You talk about the DMV, the D being D.C., but I got to tell you, I take a look at some of the recruits from Northern Delaware going to some big schools. I mean, there's a quarterback, I believe, out of Middletown that just committed to Auburn. Uh, that, I mean, uh, that's a big deal. You know, that's an SEC school and other other kids uh, going to some fairly big-time colleges, both for football and basketball. That's also an area that I feel like's a, a little bit of a hidden gem, although – it's 2020. I don't know if there's such a thing anymore. I guess all these coaches know all the areas, but I just feel like that's an area that doesn't get discussed a lot, but there is some talent there. Uh, you, well, Henry you, Baker. Yeah. Henry Baker spent the last, or he spent, he spent six years at Delaware from 2011 to 2016. So that could be, you know, a timely hire, like Pat mentioned earlier. Yep. Yeah. And I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head there, Mike, that there are certain states like Delaware, and Delaware is certainly one of them that, that, just seem to fly under, you know, their athletes always fly under the radar. And then you have, you know, Texas, Florida, California, where you might have some athletes who get a boost in there just because that's where they're from. So, yeah, I mean, there have been some gems from the Delaware area over the years. Um, my editor at Rivals is, is from that area, went to Delaware. So he's always letting me hear 
that um well he's from the dmv but he went to school in delaware his, i think his parents live in delaware now so he's very familiar with there always letting me know you know how talent rich that area is um you know our own eric ayala um you know from the from the wilmington uh, newark area um you know they're they're in close proximity to the dmv and philadelphia so we know how talent rich those areas are and it's kind of a blended mix of, of the two well, and the safety, and his name is eluding me at the moment, but the safety that got drafted by the Packers from the Turks. Darnell. Darnell. Excuse me. Darnell. Yeah. Right. He, he had his uh, number retired last year during a bye week uh, at, at where he went in northern Delaware. Again, I don't remember the school, but you know, schools like Middletown, Silesianum, St. Mark's uh, are, uh, are stalwart schools up there and, uh, again, have delivered some nice talent. And Brandon Ross as well. Yeah. Uh, running back, you know, he was only a th- he was a low three star and consistently <clears throat> overperformed for Maryland. A yep. really well rounded guy. Um, Trey Duvall, Will- if you know the basketball player, yeah. who yeah. went to ended up going to Duke. Maryland was in on his recruitment um, from the very beginning and and all the way kind of through to the end. He was originally from uh, Wilmington as well. Yeah, so definitely still some areas that the coaching staff can break into for both basketball and football, which is always a good thing. Yeah, I'm trying to bring up some names on Twitter real quick if I can. But go ahead. But I was just taking a look at uh, one Twitter account that I look at with uh, players from there that go to schools. Of course, Dante Trader is from Delmar, and mm. he, now he's going to play with lacrosse and football. But he's a Delmar guy. That's Southern Delaware. But and, and there are some good players down there. But most of the the D1 guys are up north. Yeah. So Pat, you mentioned some of the articles that you wrote. What do you have? What do you have in the works for the next couple of weeks? <laughs> it's a great question. Um, actually, kind of still <laughs> hashing all that. Out. <laughs> um, I, I'm hoping to. Um, <clears throat> it's been a while since I wrote something about basketball, so possibly write up a little something on Ike Cornish and and some um, targets moving forward. Um, that might be my next piece. After that, there might be some stuff to talk about football wise in terms of anything that's gone on since you know the return to campus. Um, any new commits, anything like that. So try, you know, this time of year, especially since we haven't had any um, spring camp or anything like that to, you know, really content wise, it's uh, recruiting is the the cash cow right now or the, you know, the saving grace that we have. So Mike, what about you? You got anything in the works? Yeah, I think what I'd like to do is go back and maybe I should save this closer to the start of the year, but I want to go back and take a look at the uh, other 13 teams of the Big Ten and just give a general idea of their situation right now, especially in the East. I know Maryland was picked right now fifth uh, to finish fifth in the the Big Ten East division. I don't think a surprise uh, for uh, many fans, but Michigan State, they did have picked below uh, Maryland there. But I want to go take a look again. We've got uh, two new coaching changes in the East Division, and then you've got the behemoth that is Ohio State uh, and Michigan to think about uh, there, and Penn State as well. Uh, so we'll kind of break that down. But the West is really intriguing to me, and we do play some crossover games. The West is getting a lot better. And, you know, again, we talk about Nebraska and Purdue, assuming Minnesota had a big year and assuming that Northwestern under Fitzgerald has a bounce back year. Wow. 
I mean, this this Big Ten, and again, we talk about the quality of coaching staff really coming around. So I think I'm going to focus on that. As I mentioned, my last article uh, that you could check had to do with the pressure, I think, being on now that the uh, recruiting classes are picking up for Loxley and seizing on that DMV moment. So that that's something that I really want to take a look at, and we'll keep up on Big Ten recruiting because it's important to know, obviously, what other teams are doing outside of just uh, outside of just Maryland. For sure. And I've had uh, I've started my positional previews for everybody out there. So go check those out. I've got quarterbacks, running backs and wide receivers and tight ends will be up next week and I'll work my way through um, and we'll pre we'll do a good preview of the of the season since it looks like it's going to start on time. So if if that's it, we're going to wrap things up. Um, We've had a good discussion today. It's been fun. Follow who's, us lighting, on who's lighting off the fireworks if Caleb Williams goes to Maryland? <laughs> <laughs> the entire DMV. Yeah, yeah. There's. I heard somebody say there's going to be a lot more personal fireworks displays, and there's going to be even more if Caleb Williams commits. Come on, I mean, That's it's a Saturday. Sure. It's going to be. A, it'll be a good day. We may have to get and do a special podcast of that. <laughs> I live close enough to DC that maybe I can see wherever his house is. That's know, right. <laughs> shooting off red, black, and gold. Get him on the show. <laughs> red, red, black, and gold smoke coming from the chimney yeah, or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Just a signal. <laughs> um, so everybody out there, follow us on Twitter at Talking Terps at BSL Talking Terps Talking Terps BSL. I should probably know that off the top of my head. Um, but follow us on Twitter. Uh, You'll see all our articles up there. Uh, you'll get notified whenever we have a new podcast up. Until then, I'm Zach Kiesel. My co-hosts, Mike Popovec and Pat Donahue, Roll Terps.